morning church my name is Caroline I think most of you know me my name is Caroline Latim and just a heads up usually when I'm anxious I lose my vocabulary it's locked up somewhere so don't worry I will not tune into the vernacular I will just try and speak in English just uh, just uh, give you a bit of my background um, I was born in Uganda I don't know if many of you know where Uganda is somewhere in Africa <laughs> yeah and sibling of I have two siblings I've lost my parents now but I was raised by my grandmother uh, in the village up country uh, my mom had me when she was training to be a midwife so I, I spent most of my life with my uh, grandmother so I called my grandmother mommy and my mom was sister she didn't want to be called mother because I don't know I don't know why <laughs> it's called her sister or Mary my daughter was named after her Mary um, my memory of having a lovely childhood was erased. I remember having um, a good time, I think. Apparently, I was a very naughty child. I was told this story by my paternal relatives, whom I didn't get to know until much, much later you'll get to hear this. Um, it was a difficult life in the village. Uh, sometimes we would go without food and we lived near a secondary school, so my grandmother would go and collect leftovers to come and feed us, because she had all the grandchildren, about six of us. And we would till the garden, and although it was a difficult life, I had fun with my grandmother. And then my mom then got married to my stepdad, and she picked me up from the village, and we moved to Tanzania, another country uh, that is in East Africa. We were there for about two years, and then the president, then Idi Amin, decided all oh, Ugandans must come back to Uganda, otherwise, you know, you will not be allowed back to the country when you're ready. So we moved back to Uganda, and life was difficult then. Um, my grand, my, my um, stepdad was a lovely man. He looked after me, educated me, and everything, but the environment at home was toxic. Mom was stopped from working. Um, it was difficult for all of us. We experienced war when Idi Amin was um, not the president anymore. So we experienced war twice early 70s and in the 80s. The last war was difficult. Um, fleeing soldiers uh, nearly abused us. You know, fleeing soldiers as a family of girls were almost abused. And um, they almost bombed where we were living. So we were constantly living in fear. We go to bed, cuddle up with each other because we didn't know whether you would see um, the next morning. But we survived. We survived. And uh, so the, the situation at home was so negative, conditional, and I don't remember having a childhood. I don't remember my teenage years. I don't remember. I was uh, an adult in a child's body. Mom spiraled down. She um, wasn't able to look after us as she wanted to. 
And then again, we then moved to another part of the country where dad was uh, working as uh, an economist, but he was always constantly traveling. So we didn't have that sort of affection in the family. So we were just uh, living uh, our own lives, you know. Going to school was a struggle. You didn't have time to study. You came home and you were actually doing what supposedly parents would be doing, cooking, uh, looking after your siblings and everything. So by the time you go to do your homework, you're just dozing. So it was a struggle. Um, so I missed that experience. But in all this, there was something within me that was yearning for some form of love. I knew somewhere that there was, I was loved Somewhere I didn't know. My mother didn't mention my paternal parents at all until one day she said to me she was going for a funeral for your relative. I didn't know who. So anyway, so then when I was secondary school, I think I was about 16, I couldn't help it. I just became rebellious and the quest for my father started. So I escaped from the ho- from home and... Because at school somebody said, "Is this, you know, is this the name of your dad?" I said, "Yes." I said, "I know where your father lives." I said, "Great, right, show me." So when I found my dad, I was so happy. But again, the environment was toxic, so it was not good at all. So my mother disowned me. Said because I found you, you found your dad, you go and live with him. That was another toxic environment again. So. Um, When I found my paternal relatives, then I found this. I want to show you a picture of this gentleman here. That's my granddad. That's my granddad, whom my mother said she was going to bury. I remember stories only. I was being told stories about him. He was an archbishop um, in the 70s for 10 years. And all I remember was stories being told about him, how he loved me to bits. And I started piecing the puzzles together. He, Wherever he went, he would go with me. And he's, I remember one day, apparently, he was going somewhere without me, and I escaped and hid myself underneath the car. And when he was driven about 100 miles away, I came up. I said, Grandpa, look who's here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, he had to take me. I was not clothed. I was naked. So, of course, he had to take me. <laughs> I was four then, apparently. So, yeah. So, this is the person that when, fast forward now, I moved to England, that was 20 years ago. My paternal relatives then said to me, when you move, when you go to England, pluck yourself into a church. I'm going to leave that picture there so you have a look at it because it's all going to come back. Um, pluck yourself into a church because I, I, I didn't know anybody here. So I moved here and first church I went to was a Baptist church. There was so much love in there, I ran away. That this is not love. This is something else. Because I never, I never experienced this. It's not. They, they must want something. So I, I disappeared. Then I joined a Pentecostal church. And they, was, they were good. And I got baptized in that church. They looked after me. And I was kind of adopted by... Um, a white family who had two little children who are now adults, and up to now we are still very close. They actually, they've moved back. They live uh, in the Channel Islands. So 
they're part of me. I just love them to bits. So when I moved here, the culture shock was, oh gosh, people don't smile, sorry. <laughs> it was around the winter, so I felt like wearing a t-shirt that said, smile, people smile. It's okay to smile. And comments like, oh, it's a beautiful day. What's beautiful about it? Because in Africa, sunshine every chance. So now I understand why they made that comment. So, <laughs> moved here, uh, got married. Uh, the marriage broke down again. Uh, but I have two beautiful children out of the marriage, Jonathan and Mary. Uh, the environment, again, was toxic. So the pattern kept you know, going. Very controlling. It wasn't happy again. I'm on the way running away. So I left. And then the big move happened. We moved to South End. And I was constantly fighting. At this time, although I was raised in a Christian environment, I didn't know Jesus. I knew there was a, there was a God. And he cannot love me for me. I have to do something in order for him to love me. So I had to do stuff for uh, to be loved. So that also translated into my relationship. So I had to be somebody else. And in that environment, I lost who I was. So when I moved to Southend, I met some wonderful people. Wonderful people. I hope, Helen, you don't mind. You're one of them. Helen, I call her my angel. She's amazing. She picked him up. She knows what I've been through. She's picked me up from so many, I don't know, I don't know what to say, but yes. So um, we came here, we went to another church, but when I came here, I loved the, especially the youth, the youth uh, service for the children. We plucked in, they struggled to settle because moving away from London, very diverse to not diverse here, so they struggled. But they're getting there now. They're getting there. So this church, I call it the, when we went to the um, church weekend away, I call it from church to post box. Of the blessings, the amount of blessings I've received through that mail, I can't explain it. You know, I cannot explain it. Um, it was so difficult. So anyway, so I only have 10 minutes. <laughs> I only have 10 minutes, so let me, yeah. So, um, why am I a Christian? Oh, even though I didn't get to spend much time with my grandfather, I knew someone was praying for me. Down deep, someone was praying for me because I went through so much. The war, we had, I think Uganda was one of the countries to experience AIDS. You know, so we had that fear, Ebola, all those things, but I survived. And I remember, I used to say quietly to myself, God, if you are there, please be with me in everything that I do. Do not let me do this. Do not let me do that. You know, to a point where I would say to God, if I don't achieve what I want to achieve in future, Father God, please don't let me sell myself. And I started to visualize coming to the UK. And I just claimed it. So, because the environment at home was not good, and then my dad was a drunkard, and he used to, I remember when I moved to live with him, he used to, we used to cook outside. My granddad, my dad would come, drunk as he was, and just kick the food off of the stove, and we again would go hungry. So the pattern was again happening. So I determined, I said, I need to find this power. So when my paternal parents 
my paternal family said to me, your grandfather used to love you and do everything with you. Your grandmother, you were the apple of her eyes. You, she loved you everything. Then I knew someone was praying for me because I felt I was hiding somewhere. I needed to find me. So when I moved to this country and I started to train as a counselor, I started to went back on that journey to find me. And when I found me, I started to I decided I'm going to um, find this, what you call love, which I never experienced, unconditional love. I started to learn how to accept God's love unconditionally. And I remember, again, when I spoke to Helen once, I said, I hate God. Why did he bring me to South Hand? I don't know anybody. You know, my children are struggling. I'm struggling. And... I'm in the middle of everybody who has everything. I don't have anything. Again, Helen said, there's a reason why God brought you here. You know, enjoy what God has given you. Your plans are not God's plans. And I thought to open up to that love. You know, and yeah. I am so grateful for God to actually now move me to South End. I just love it. There is so much that I see in South End. The picture, I can see God in a lot of what I see, you know, in nature. The sea, I love the sea. You know, it reminds me of so much. Although somebody says, um, where I grew up, there's no water. So how can you fall in love with the sea? So I just love the sea. It was just dry land. Yeah, so my children are, have been very thankful for this church. And... We just want to, you know, uh, I'm speechless. You know, the, the, the love that you showed us. At least I've not run away from, even now when I was coming, Helen was saying, we're going to shut the door so you don't run away. Because <laughs> I've always been running. So, yes, thank you, Grandfather, for always being there for me and praying for me. I know you've gone, but, yeah, you have. Um, the reason why I become a Christian is I know someone was praying for me, and there's that power of love even though I didn't experience it as a child, I, it's not too late. I can still experience it as an adult, you know. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just opening myself to that love and trying not to run from it. And before I leave, I have this song that I want you to listen to, which sums up all that I've been saying and is just... Yeah. Let me play this song, please. So thank you, STBBC, for opening your arms and accepting us as part of your family. There is power in the love of God. Thank you.